Welcome back to Santa's favorite weekly podcast, Beethoven Walks Into a Bar. I'm Mike Gordon, Principal Flute of the Kansas City Symphony. I'm Jason Sieber, the Associate Conductor. And I'm Stephanie Brimhall, the Education Manager. So I don't know about what you've seen in your neighborhoods, but up where I live, people are all about putting up Christmas decorations. In fact, I think the decorations went up even earlier this year than I've ever seen them before, well before Thanksgiving. Everybody is really excited to, I think, move 2020 along is really the Mm -hmm. subliminal message behind that. But it's usually the trend to hear Christmas music in stores starting even before Halloween, but I haven't been in many stores. I don't know about you guys lately, so I don't know that I've been hearing a lot of this stuff, but... I think we we really all just need to lean on the holidays for some cheer. And, and that, to me, comes through holiday music. And it's not the holidays without holiday music. So I'm curious, do you guys have any favorite Christmas carols, holiday tunes, anything like that? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many great tunes this time of year. And I agree with you. I think music is probably the best way to celebrate this month, the whole month of December. Um, I, I kind of have a secular and a, a sacred one, so to say, a, a popular one, which would, would be uh, the Christmas song, Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire. I just love the melody. I love the harmonies in it. Such a beautiful tune. And probably my favorite nostalgic religious type of song is Oh Holy Night. I mean, anyone that can sing Oh Holy Night really well has my full respect. It's a, actually a hard song to sing. I think the lyrics are beautiful. The tune is beautiful. Oh, Holy Night. Jason, you you totally stole my answer. I 100% really? with you. Oh, Holy Night, by far the best nice. Christmas carol. It's beautiful. Mike, what do you think? <laughs> Are you on team Oh, Holy Night? Well, you know, I I love Oh, Holy Night. Um and you know, for for musicians, it's really true the the holidays, first of all, it's one of our busiest times of year uh because we're playing constantly, usually, not this year unfortunately. Um, but you know, one of my favorite Christmas tunes actually it's not a it's not a secular one, but it's one we play uh practically every year, it seems. It's it's Merry Christmas from Home Alone. I love that song. <laughs> oh it's, no. It's John Williams and it's really fun to play, you know, big orchestra, the whole chorus, and it's actually got a really hard flute part, as uh much of John Williams's music is crazy difficult but um well and and you know people often ask me too uh if there are any hanukkah tunes i enjoy because i'm i am uh jewish i was raised jewish and you know i have to say there are there are we we play always you know a a little nugget of hanukkah music in there somewhere it's just it's just not that good it's really You know, it's it's I have okay. A dreidel, it, rock no, of ages, none I of don't those? like the dreidel song or the okay. no. Yeah, just the Christmas music is the best. Like that's okay. It's cool with me. Just everybody, <laughs> everybody enjoy the Christmas music. I like it too. <laughs> Mike, I was saying, oh no, oh no, when you talked about Merry Christmas, uh, Merry Christmas by John Williams, because we usually do end up programming that one for Christmas festival. It's a big hit. It's, it usually ends the concert really well. But it's it always gets stuck in my head. You know, last season we did that episode about earworms, and that is without a doubt my December earworm. And I walk around the house singing it if I'm conducting it, and it drives my wife absolutely crazy. Do you roll your R's when you say Christmas? Do you say Merry Christmas? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't. But yeah, that one. If that one gets stuck in your head, you're in trouble. Well, it, you're it is welcome. a good tune, though. Well, guys, our guests today have surrounded themselves with holiday tunes over the past few months, and they have put together an absolutely incredible 
virtual orchestra advent calendar featuring the musicians of the Kansas City Symphony with a different holiday tune every day throughout the month of December. I've been listening and watching to these videos every single day since December 1st and have been immensely enjoying them. Uh, We're going to now welcome two of our favorite symphony colleagues who have been putting this advent calendar together, Associate Principal Horn David Sullivan and Assistant Librarian Fabrice Curtis. Welcome, David and Fabrice. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Hi, guys. It's great to have you guys. It's good to see you. Good to see you guys. Well, welcome. And, you know, uh, in this period, we've all been learning new things, exploring new ways to share music. And uh, you guys with this Advent calendar have really taken this to another level. So talk a little bit about, first of all, your your skills now in, in video and audio editing, and if this is something <laughs> you did before, or if it's just something you picked up for the first time, and how you thought to use that to make this uh, incredible musical offering. Can can we take a step back and answer what our favorite Christmas songs are? <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. We were getting to that, but do it now. <laughs> because it's not that I'm anti-Team Holy Night. I just have, like, I think, like, a different perspective. Um, I do like the idea of thinking of, like, your favorite secular and, like, sacred tune. I think my favorite secular Christmas song is... Simply having a wonderful Christmas time by the yes. by the Beatles, I think. And oh. honestly, I didn't really even know that song. It just came on the radio, and it reminded me of the music from Rainbow Road in Mario Kart. And I was like, I, you know what? I, I'm super into this song. I love it. Even though I, it's not really even that Christmassy. I think it's the synthesizer that I really like. I love. But... I, as far as like sacred Christmas songs go, maybe it's my personality. I really like the minor Christmas songs. It's like kind of like mm. dark and mysterious. So like the Coventry Carol might be my favorite Christmas song, which is kind of super depressing to say because I didn't really read the text of what this is actually about until like a month or two ago. <laughs> it, it's not good. Like I'm not. I don't want to get into it here, but like you should peruse that on your own. But it's it's pretty dark actually. But I don't know. I'm a I'm a sucker for minor pieces. <laughs> yeah, and to jump in on the Christmas Carol um, discussion, my favorite is uh, Carol of the Bells. I just love the energy of it. Which that's what our December's are usually like. We're just running around trying to get so much done, and that Carol just like really epitomizes that. And if we're thinking of sacred um, carols. Uh, God rest you, Mary, gentlemen. I just love, I love the minor key, and there's not many carols that have Satan in the lyrics, so <laughs> it sticks out in that way. We're a very dark, we're a very dark household, apparently. Wow. <laughs> apparently. So, do you guys miss? Do you guys miss all the crazy, busy time of the year right now? I mean, like you guys, like we've been saying. You know, we're normally in in either Hellsberg Hall or the Kaufman Theater, whether we're playing the Christmas shows or the Nutcracker, pretty much every day in the month of December. And this year, we we just finished recording um, some holiday music with uh, the strings of the Kansas City Symphony and the percussion, and that's already probably released by the time this episode has come out. Um, so you will have heard some of that, but we're not in there every day like we normally are. Do you guys miss? I mean, I know it's crazy and we all get tired, but do you miss some of that too? It's interesting that you ask that because under, like you said, under normal circumstances, this time of year, we're basically spending most of our days inside of the Kaufman Center. 
And usually this time of year, under normal situation, under normal circumstances, I keep thinking, man, it would really be nice not to be at work for like eight hours every single day. I have, <laughs> I have like all this Christmas shopping to do. Mm-hmm. I haven't done laundry in like three weeks. Like my <laughs> my mom, my mom is coming in like two days. I haven't done any cleaning. Um, but that's kind of happened in a way this year. So we've basically been at home since March. We haven't even gone anywhere, and it it feels a little weird. Like. It's a good example of be careful what you wish for, because now that we have all this free time, I mean, granted, like nothing's open and we're still in the middle of this awful pandemic, but it it's kind of, I don't want to say depressing, but it's, it's, it's not great. It's gray outside. I mean, right now it's gray outside. Um, and it's, I don't know. I, I think I'd rather be playing Nutcracker for, what is this? This is the 11th. So maybe like the, I don't know, 15th time um, <laughs> th- than sitting in my house in my poorly lit living room, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious, getting back to the advent calendar, I, I will tell you that my mom who lives in Texas this is like making her holiday season. She waits for these videos to be released. Uh, and when the when the first few came out, I was like, oh, I really should tag my mom on Facebook and and make sure she knows to listen to them. And when I went to do that, I realized she's been commenting on many of them. So she already knew. <laughs> she already knew about them. So she she loves these. And I know a lot of people. It's really just bringing um, the holiday spirit, and uh, it brings a smile to to many. Um, how did you guys get this idea? And then maybe expanding on that, how do you narrow down? Because there are so many great tunes. How do you narrow it down to 25? Uh, so, yeah, we were thinking about, you know, we're not going to be in the hall in December this year. So what is a way that we can um, bring music to people? And um, we had been working on some of these these videos and we thought, hey, let's do a musical advent calendar where we release a new video each day. And, um, you know, we really just took it off, took off from there. And David was really the one who, um, decided what carols that he wanted to do and, and kind of matched that with what, what sections or what, um, ensembles would be best matched for those carols. Yeah. That's probably a good, um, representation of how our relationship works. I guess I'm the bossy one that always, you know, is the one telling Fabrice what to do. I think he does, he, he does, he does it very well most of the time. But Yeah. I mean, the musicians of the orchestra, we've been so, we've been so grateful. I think for the support that the community here in Kansas city has given us through this pandemic and, you know, talking with some of my colleagues who play in orchestras, and other, you know, cities across the United States. One thing I think that we really take pride in here is the community support and engagement that we have, because that's, I mean, that's not the same for, you know, other orchestras, especially right now when, you know, going through this pandemic, when people are unsure of like what's happening and what's going to happen. So the musicians, we've been super grateful, uh, you know, most people hopefully know at this point, you know, this fall we bought this mobile stage that we've been taking around to, you know, different communities and playing these concerts. And honestly, when we first started this project, the mobile music box project, 
We weren't exactly sure how many people were going to show up to these things. And let me tell you, it, it's been a lot. I mean, socially distanced, of course, like very responsible, but, but the response has been pretty overwhelming. And so we just wanted, you know, we just wanted to find a way to kind of, you know, say thank you for all the support that people have been giving us and continue to give us. And honestly, I mean, you kind of let off by saying, you know, Christmas music is probably one of your most favorite things about the holiday season. It it is for for me too. I'm maybe I'm a little biased because I'm a musician and and Christmas music means that I get a paycheck, but um <laughs> we just really wanted a way to kind of like, you know, get music out to people during this time, I think. So, and as far as, you know, selecting the tunes, <clears throat> we knew that you know, 25 videos is going to be a lot, especially especially in today's age when, you know, things st- are starting to skew shorter and shorter, like, like attention spans, you know, maybe are, are starting to, you know, shrink, I guess. I, I have a hard time, honestly, now sitting through like a two-hour movie, and, and I know that's maybe terrible to say, but, but I much prefer maybe like a 20-minute television show <clears throat> than like a two-and-a-half-hour movie. And so we wanted a lot of variety, something that people, you know, it, it's something that provides a little sense of like, oh, this is nice. This is Christmas. I love this. This makes me feel good. But not a commitment where, oh, you have to sit through like a six minute video and listen to this super long, you know, because people are busy now. I mean, even even if you're not spending all of your time out Christmas shopping, a lot of people are working from home, you know, a lot of people have children that they have to take care of because they're not, you know, in an in in-person school right now. And so, you know, we wanted a lot of variety in terms of style and, um, you know, just uh, just diversity, I think. And so, there, we were only really limited, I think, to two things. The first being it had to be in public domain. The pieces had to be in public domain because um, as much as I really like, you know, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You, there's <laughs> there's no way I would ever be able to afford the rights, the licensing rights for that song. So we're on, we're on a shoestring budget here, people. This is like a homemade <laughs> like a like a homemade macaroni Christmas card. Like, you know, we don't we don't have the money for it. So so they were all pieces that are in the public domain. And also, right now we have, you know, positions in the orchestra that are vacant that we were supposed to have auditions for this season. But because of this pandemic, those have gotten pushed to next season. And so we were limited on some of the instruments that we could use. Not a lot, but um, there are a few. There are a few that maybe we would have wanted to add that we currently don't have filled. So we could do that because most of the 25... Five of them were already composed, I think, um, like Tchaikovsky. I mean, this is stuff that basically all it took was Fabrice just preparing the parts for. There's some Vivaldi in there. Um, but the other 20 are all original arrangements that we did. Hmm. And where did you, who did these arrangements? Um, so I did a couple. I did one for Jingle Bells and one for Oh Hanukkah. And uh, David did the bulk of them, but also uh, Evan Halloween, our... Um, Associate Principal Bassist, he did one for uh, the bass section. And then Stephen Franklin did a brass quintet arrangement as well. I had no idea that it was you guys who did the arranging. I thought that Fabrice worked his library magic and found, you know, obscure combinations of instruments playing all of these carols. That's amazing. 
No yeah. wonder they're so good. <laughs> well, they're tailored to our specific needs of exactly what we wanted. And that's, you know, I've always kind of enjoyed arranging. And so it, it, it has been a fun project for me, partly because I also really enjoy this music that I am arranging Christmas, Christmas tunes and stuff. So just so everybody understands, uh, you know, arranging in and of itself, uh, even if you're a composer is a, is a really, you know, unique skill unto itself. And so doing it well is hard. And then the second thing, which, which I think is always impressive, just physically getting notes written down either by hand or electronically into some form that you can share with somebody else is really, really difficult. And I mean, I've, I've tried on a couple of occasions to learn to write a little bit of music on my computer and it is just, I find it mystifyingly complex to do the simplest or what you would think would be the simplest thing. So the fact that, you know, our musicians have, have produced all this stuff in a very short amount of time too. Uh, the arranging is a huge, huge part of that effort. And, um, and it's really, really cool. When, uh, so we, at the top of the top of the show today, we, we asked, and I don't think this got answered, but this is a good, um, so it's new skills that you're, you're acquiring, obviously. I mean, you know, you probably both have dabbled a little bit in arranging maybe, um, you know, prior to this, but we're going from, you know, playing the horn and um, you know, preparing music as your primary jobs to now you're arranging music and you're um, learning how to video edit and you're learning how to edit audio and and put all of that together. Can you talk a little bit about the process of um, learning to do these things? And I know Mike has done a lot of it too, and it, it, that he's talked about. Maybe you could weigh in too, Mike. Well, I think first off, uh, we just started really simply. I think David was the first one. Um, to, to make a, a video, he did this uh, over the rainbow video that started off really, um, you know, it was very simple, but very basic. You know, you have to know, know your abilities and how to maximize that. And, um, and from there, you know, we just got more confidence with doing things. And, um, you know, when we first had this idea of this advent calendar, we were like, yeah, I think, I think we can do this. So mm-hmm. it really just um, went from there. I mean, I, I make no bones about saying I am not semi-professional or professional on any level. It's basically been like, you know, scotch tape, duct tape, and like <laughs> like rubber bands, like creating these projects. But, you know, the thing about living in 2020 is that the internet is an infinite resource of knowledge. I mean, up, among other things. I mean, there's a lot of other stuff besides, you know, credible knowledge on the internet. But... <laughs> But YouTube, as long as you know what it is you want to learn, YouTube, I feel like, is like the encyclopedia of our generation. You go into YouTube, you type in what you want to do, and and and, and there's at least like 50,000 videos that will show you exactly what you need to do. And and if it doesn't work, you know, there's 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 49,999 other videos. So Can I give you an example of how I have used YouTube in research? And, and Jason will, will remember this probably too, but... Um, maybe this was last year, um, we were doing a kid's concert and I had to um, do like a, a mini dance break in the middle of one of the the songs as the host. 
And somebody, one of our musicians suggested that I do the floss. And I was like, I don't know how to do the floss. So I went to YouTube and I did some research and I typed in, how do you do the floss? And a sweet little nine-year-old girl, probably in Finland or somewhere, (laughs) taught me how to do the floss. So you're right. It's very, it's very resourceful. (laughs) Well, she was a heck of a teacher because you had that move down. I, I mean, that was the highlight of the show, if I remember. I really wish this were not a podcast so that we could see you do the floss for everyone. But you know, I've done the floss for thousands. Mike. I mean, I know thousands. I've I've seen it, but all of our <laughs> listeners haven't. And it is it is a wonder to behold. By the way, <laughs> I just I just want to know how you were even watching these videos. I still can't physically figure out how people do this dance. I will send you the link because this very sweet nine-year-old girl, she she broke it down very clearly and concisely. It starts very slow. And uh, you, you really, the thing, the thing about it is, what I learned is you have to think about it. It's very musical, actually. You think about it in three. If you think about it in three, it, it works. We are breaking down the floss <laughs> right here on Beethoven Walks Into a Bar. But we digress. <laughs> oh my goodness! So w- one of the things, uh, you know, as we're getting now, we're getting really geeky and in the weeds about video editing because you know several of us here, as you've probably figured out, you know, none of us have any clue what we're doing, and we're just like feeling around in the dark trying to learn how to do this thing that we really need to do now to do our work, to share music with people, and and one of the things that probably looks like it ought to be really simple, and it's not is putting boxes on the screen and having them look uniform and be lined up well. And, you know, if they're interesting, you know, you have different sized boxes where the, you know, the corners meet up and things aren't like a couple of pixels too big on one side of the, you know, this is, and unfortunately it doesn't work like when you're making a document on Microsoft Word and everything just sort of automatically snaps to be in a uniform line and everything. It really doesn't do that. Next time you look at one of their videos or anybody else's, uh, look really closely and you'll see that, that, that theirs are lined up just perfectly. And as someone who's been doing this, that to me is very impressive and brings me great joy because it's really hard. <laughs> now everyone's going to look and literally at the video they look at is going to be the one where it doesn't line up. Yeah. Correctly. Don't screw Thank up you. now. Don't this be is, two this pixels off. I'll find it. <laughs> This is Your great. career is over before it even begins. <laughs> this this discussions bring me back to some of our first videos where David would be working on one and I'd I'd watch the draft and they'd be like, uh, that's like a little off there and a little off there. And you know, he'd have to go back and like figure it out and yeah, lots of back and forth with that. Because, you know, I we are not um we're not cutting edge technology uh havers, I guess. And so you the the computers that we're running this program on are not the latest you know MacBook Pro CC eight thousand five hundred or whatever, and for us to render these videos, it takes a long time, and and even to edit them, there's a lot of times depending on how many videos we've put into a project where the playback is so glitchy that you can't really even watch it to get a sense. So so especially on Fabrice's computer, um, we don't really even know 
most of the time what it's going to look like until after like the two hour rendering process. And so, so there have definitely been times when we were like, Oh yeah, this looks great. Send it. Okay. So we, so we do it, we wait and then we get it. We're like, this is within like three seconds. We're like, this isn't, this isn't work at all. And now it's just like, we just, you know, wasted two and a half hours of, you know, just letting this computer do its thing because, you know, it was created on like windows 3.1 or something. (laughs) That makes me feel so much better though, because I thought it was just me not knowing what was happening in Adobe Premiere. I feel so much better because I do that too. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, so when we're done here, I think the four of us should just get together, have a beverage and a little therapy session about our video editing travails. But, um, (laughs) but I want to, I want to come back to the music for a second um, because believe it or not, that's a huge component of, uh, of these videos as well. It's so easy to get lost in the, in the technical stuff, but, but you know, what's happening and what, what a lot of musicians, including myself are doing, since we can't be together, we're taking these individual performances, right. And, and putting them together. So it sounds as if they're playing together. So talk, talk a little bit about that process because, um, you know, we, we've all been experimenting that with this as well and finding a successful way it really has to do i think so much with with planning and organization before the recording so talk a little bit about actually preparing uh and organizing all of these musicians to record this stuff in a way that it would actually go together in the end and sound great i mean they do sound great that is ultimately the point well one of the first things was just sending it out an email to all the orchestra and seeing who's interested because we needed to know before we even started making arrangements is like, what arrange, what are we going to arrange these um, carols for? So uh, uh, we sent out emails, got a very high uh, response rate. Almost the whole orchestra was, um, is interested in participating in this project. Uh, and from there we had, I created this huge spreadsheet of, you know, what we wanted to do and, and trying to assign people so that, one person isn't doing 10 videos and then another is only doing one. So just equally distributing all the different videos. And, um, and yeah, that was, that was a big process just in that. And from there, we could move on to making arrangements, engraving the music, and uh, creating finale files and MIDI files to then send out to the player so that they could make their recordings. I mean, Fabrice spread, said spreadsheet. I mean, th- this, this is a theme. Like, he's the organized, like... He's the he's the the turner of all the wheels. I just am like, hey, let's just do this, like make it happen. And he's like, okay, well, let me pull up my little Microsoft Office thing and like line everything up. Like it's he's he's really great at that. I think what's really tricky about this, you know, in particular, as Mike had said, everyone is recording from their own home. So normally in an orchestra, we would have a rehearsal and you're sitting, you know pretty close to each other, maybe a couple of feet, and you can hear immediately what other people are doing or how they're playing, like a certain passage or a melody, and you can adjust immediately. This is basically like you're in a room by yourself at home, and you're recording, and you have no idea, theoretically, what anyone else is going to sound like. And and honestly, we, you know, we emailed these these videos out by projects. We didn't send an email to one person saying, "Here's your like eight projects you we need you to do." We did it by project. So, a lot most of the musicians don't even know what the other videos are, honestly. And so, what's been kind of fun 
for me through all of this is that it's not just a surprise, I think, to the public watching these, but also to other musicians in the orchestra, because they only know kind of what their videos are going to be. And, and, and in that sense, they're only going to know what the music is going to be. They have no idea what the video is actually going to turn out to be. Um, and so it's been kind of fun getting um, feedback from other musicians saying like, oh my God, like, this is so cute. Like, I love this video or like, I love that you did this or whatever, because they, they don't even know when their video is going to pop up. So every That's day cool. is a surprise for all of us. Have you guys pulled a Darth Vader yet where, you know, the actor that played Darth Vader actually recorded all the lines and then little to his knowledge, they brought in James Earl Jones and overdubbed it all to make him scarier. So have you overdubbed anyone yet? Oh, no. <laughs> I, I hope that that original actor got paid very, very well because, I mean, arguably, yes, James Earl Jones, like, is the embodiment of Darth Vader, but the poor guy who had to stand in and like do all the walking and stuff and, and falling, doesn't he like fall into a pit at the end of one of the movies or something like that poor guy. But no, I mean, we are very fortunate that all the musicians in the orchestra are not only like really great people, but they're also like top notch world-class musicians. So, so that's been, that's, that's been a lot of fun. I would say though, the most one of the most interesting things for me, and I and I don't know if this is like a good thing about my personality or a bad thing. What's been fun for me is watching people's like individual personalities through these videos because you know, I don't know if you've ever been, you know, driving down like a street in your neighborhood at night and some people have their lights on and you can kind of see into like what their what their homes look like on the inside. To me, that's always been super fascinating, just how other people kind of like live their life when when, you know, when they're alone, like it, like in their own private house, you know, and these videos, you know, I feel like are kind of, uh, you know, a, a kind of a peek into what people's, you know, personalities are like home life is like, and, and we don't get that at work. I mean, you know, everyone comes in, we always perform in the Kaufman Center. So everyone comes in and you just see them at work. Most of the time you're not seeing these people in their, I guess, natural element. You know, I, I love that you say that because I have thought as well that I have learned more about the musicians in the orchestra in working with them over the last eight or nine months than I have just on a personal level than I have working for the orchestra in the last 10 years. And and that's, I think that's really maybe sad to say, but like one of the things that's come out of this is, you know, we've really gotten to learn about each other um, as individuals and not, you know, not just as this, this 80 person entity, which I think is really unique and something, maybe something positive that we can take away from what's been happening as well. Yeah. We've gotten, we've gotten a lot of, or I've gotten a lot of questions through, you know, some of these mobile music box concerts that people will come up and be like, you know, it, what's one thing that you think that, you know, has happened during this pandemic that you've adjusted to that you think will continue to carry on back, I think, when things go start to, you know, go back to normal. And I think you're right. I think, you know, all of this, you know, this more of a, a social media presence, I think, that we're starting to have and all these skills, you know, in creating this content, um, I think that's going to stick. And I think, you know, I hope that, you know, also these these mobile music box concerts, it has been, you know, as a musician in the orchestra, you know, we've made it a point 
we play in Helzberg Hall, and that's the home of the orchestra, and, and that's a hundred percent true. It's 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 one of the best concert halls in the world. That's not an exaggeration. And sometimes, you know, it's hard it's hard to remember that you know there are other communities out there. A lot of these people don't have the means or the time to make it downtown to hear us play. And so this this mobile stage has really gotten the musicians out into these communities to really spread, you know, the orchestra all over the metro area. And and I really hope it's it's been amazing and and it has the 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 people have been so receptive to this that, you know, I definitely hope this is something that we continue through back when we start to have a normal season again in Hellsburg Hall. Well, you guys clearly have mastered some of these uh kind of ancillary responsibilities. And maybe a lot of that comes from the fact that, I mean, you know, I know that um, you you play the horn, you work in the library. I know Fabrice also plays the clarinet. I learned recently, uh, as in just yesterday, that Fabrice can also hold his ground when playing the piano, which uh, he and David played um, a beautiful, was it Charlie Brown? Mm-hmm. Christmas time Christmas? is here. Christmas time is here um, for a virtual event we did just yesterday. Um, but I mean, you guys have a lot of extra interests. And I know, Fabrice, you even studied, did you study entomology? Yep. I um, I actually minored in entomology at the University of Kentucky. Uh, I spent a couple summers working in different labs there. I actually worked in a forest entomology lab, um, working on like gypsy moths, which are an invasive insect. And then also spent a summer working in the bed bug Whoa. lab. Yes. Ooh. I was actually in charge of um, feeding the bed bugs. <laughs> not with what my, do you feed not, bed bugs? You feed them um, rabbit blood, warm rabbit blood. So <laughs> what? Yes, one of wow. my Yeah. Dave, David was not happy with that that summer job. He you know <laughs> honest on, Honestly, if I had known then what I know now about bed bugs, I was pretty in the dark because I mean we both grew up in Kentucky where you know bed bugs are not nearly as big of a problem as they are say in like New York or somewhere. I would not have allowed that. I mean, it looking back, I'm like it's crazy you worked for an entire summer like handling basically bed bugs and thank the Lord Jesus that we did not get any of these things into our apartment. I mean, we took all the precautions. We were very, very careful. Everyone, even the other entomology, other um, labs in the entomology department were not happy with the bed. We were like in the basement, like away from everybody else doing our thing. So, so you're also, um, I, I know, okay, maybe David wasn't into the bugs, but you guys are also into fish, aquatic life. You have tons of plants. I see behind Fabrice, like you guys are into plants. Yes. At one point, we had up to five aquariums. We've we've downsized a bit now. We only have the one, but um, yeah, we we like the aquatic aquatic plants and tropical fish. We literally sound like crazy people right now, and and that's <laughs> that's a that's a little true. But like, I feel like we're being grossly misrepresented in this no, podcast. But I really think that, like, I mean, you know, especially in times like this, when you know you have to have hobbies and you have to have other interests in order just to keep sane. I mean, I think, I think that's, it's great that you guys have that. And honestly, I think it probably is part of an explanation as to how you're able to learn all of these extra things and take on new responsibilities and jobs in your, in your professional life. Yeah, that, that's, that's been one thing that has been kind of interesting about 
this year, especially this summer in particular. Usually Fabrice and I are not in Kansas City for the summer. He is the librarian for the National Youth Orchestra for Carnegie Hall in New York. And I play I play in a chamber orchestra in Switzerland. And so we're never really here during the summer. And and in the past few years, we're, we're lucky enough that our house, we have a fairly large size backyard. And over the past few years, we've really gotten into native gardening. And so this summer, when normally, you know, we wouldn't be home, we've been able to maintain the backyard to, you know, an immaculate, you know, state, I guess. I mean, as, as best as a native garden can be kept that way. But um, we've, been, we spent, we've been spending a lot of time, or we did spend a lot of time in the yard, you know, taking care of, like, the garden and stuff. Yeah, the native gardening really goes back to my interest in insects because it's really, like, beneficial to the, the pollinators and, and all of that. So native, native plants help those insect populations thrive. Well, uh, we have two questions here on Beethoven Walks Into a Bar, which are native to our podcast <laughs> and essential to our listeners as the pollen is to uh, those insects. And, and those questions are as follows. Number one, what are your favorite beverages of choice? Either alcoholic, non-alcoholic, juice pollen-related, whatever it may be. And number two, if you were to walk into a bar and enjoy one of those beverages with Beethoven, what would you ask him? Uh, so my favorite beverage, I'm going to go with a Negroni. I really like Negronis. Um, and if I was to run into Beethoven into a bar, you know, Beethoven had such a uh, difficult life in in some ways. And I'd, I'd like to, like, get a sense of what he was like when he was happy. So I'd ask him, what what is his favorite place? Like where, you know, whether it be like a favorite venue that he performed in or conducted in or just like a place that he liked to hang out. So, yeah, I want to I know more about Happy Beethoven. That's a good answer. And I believe Tim will have to check the records here, uh, but I believe you are the second guest to name the Negroni as a favorite beverage. I think that might be true. Dave? Well... At the at the you know risk of making us sound like even crazier people, Fabrice went through this whole thing. I'm going to throw him under the bus totally on this, but he <laughs> went through this whole thing where he, he kind of took the native plant thing to a whole new level. Where he was like, "Oh, I wonder what like things we could forage out of our backyard to eat." So he spent this time like making this like dandelion tea. And like dandelion syrup and stuff, and and I highly recommend not doing this because it was awful and it tasted like dirt, honestly. Um, so just to be clear, my answer is not dandelion tea that you pick from your backyard. That is not my answer. Um, <laughs> my answer is almost just as embarrassing. The first alcoholic drink I ever have, I was twenty one. I did not drink before I was twenty one. To put that on the record. Um, was an amaretto sour. And I know that's kind of like maybe a floofy, like, you know, not not like highbrow drink, but I really love it. I really love almond flavor. So I like the the sourness with combined with the amaretto. And I guess if Beethoven were to walk into a bar, um, I'd probably ask him if he would buy me a drink. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> maybe like what you had for breakfast. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I love that too. 
<laughs> that's that's so fitting for you too, David. Just say, <laughs> Beethoven, you want to buy me a drink? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's a question, so it checks the box. Awesome. So okay, in the spirit of the season, it is now time for a little game of name that Christmas Carol. Are you guys excited? Be excited! Woo! <laughs> I'm nervous, actually, because I've been talking up like how much I love Christmas music, and I'm afraid I'm not going to know these Christmas songs. I'm nervous. <laughs> all right. Well, don't be nervous. It's all in good fun, and there will be a winner, but there is no prize. So, you know, it's it's just... It's, it's just... <laughs> bragging uh, rights. Talk about rights, a shoestring it. budget. That's what we're on here at Beethoven Walks Into a Bar, too. All right. So, I'm going to play um, 10 different Christmas carols, and um, I'll, I'll start playing it, and then during each one... Um, you'll race to see who can name it the quickest. And these are all orchestral arrangements of Christmas mm. carols, so you know. So we won't be hearing the lyrics. We got to really know the tune. Yeah, no lyrics. Um, so since we don't have, you know, we are <laughs> shoestring budget, we don't have a sophisticated buzzer system. So what I'm going to ask you guys to do is when you know the song, just shout out your name. We'll stop it. And then you tell me what... Uh, what the the song is. If you're right, you get a point. And if you're not right, we'll keep on going until somebody gets the point. Does that make sense? What if I get confused and shout out your name? Then that's that's, I, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> Stephanie, I do that. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so are you guys ready? Yes, ready. I'm ready. Yeah, let's do it. Here's the first tune. Slay Ride. Oh, I didn't say my name first. Oh, me. Oh. Steph- Steph- Stephanie. Jason Slay Ride. <laughs> Stephanie. Right. So, correct. It is Slay Ride, Jason. I'm going to give you a point, but you have to obey the rules. I've conducted that one a few times in my life. I know it pretty well. You guys can also just shout out the name, too, and we'll, we'll see what happens. I'll, I'll, right, I'll play by the rules now. I'll say Jason first. Here we go. Fabrice. Oh, Nutcracker Overture. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Fabrice, Fabrice followed the rules. Fabrice followed the rules. No, no, that wasn't me. That was Mike. <laughs> Say Mike yelled Fabrice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then David gets the point. Wait. Yes. Do we just do we just shout out anybody's name? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> okay. You guys are not. These great are starting at easy. Rules. Are they, they going to get harder and harder? Um, maybe. First two, pretty simple there. That's good. Maybe. Okay. Okay. Um, All right. Just shout out the title of the piece. Okay. 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 Next piece. Ready? Oh, Holly and the Ivy. Well done, David. Holly and the Ivy. Nice. (laughs) It's tricky. The the, the, The introduction threw me for a loop. (laughs) <laughs> Me too. Me too. Okay. Ready? Next one. Joy to the world. Nope. Sure sounds like joy to the sounds world. Sounds like it? joy to the Oh. The first Noel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh David. <laughs> Jason got it. Jason got it. First Noel. Sure sounded like joy to the world there for a moment. <laughs> All right. The next one. Deck the halls with. Well done, David. Deck the halls. halls. <laughs> yeah, it's tricky though. I mean, a lot of Christmas carols use the same like intervallic motifs, and so <laughs> you think it, you think it might be one, but it could be Happy Birthday. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are halfway through. Next song. 
Oh, that's uh, fum, uh, fum, fum. Uh, no, Patapan. What is that one called? Patapan. Oh, Patapan. Patapan, yes. Patapan, David. Patapan. Dang. Man, David Dave. knows his Christmas mm. tunes. I couldn't think of the title. David, I think I think you're you're going to be just fine. All right. Patapan. I like <laughs> Patapatapan. <laughs> My kids love singing that <laughs> whenever we come to Christmas festival and, and it's it's performed. All right. Oh, uh, let it snow. Silver bells. Oh, Mike. Mike got him a point. Let it snow. Let it snow. That's what it's called. Let it, let it snow. snow. Mike's on silver the board. Bells. On the board. Mike's on the board. No bagels for this Jew. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right. Next one. Oh, holy night. Well done, David. Yeah. Just on oh, the arpeggios. Look at him. The melody hadn't even started yet. And just so uh, our, our audience knows, we're going to put all of these together in our playlist. So you're not just going to hear these little clips. You can go listen to the full <laughs> tune in the show notes. No, I think they should just get as much audio as it takes for us to figure out what the tunes are. <laughs> That's all. That's all you get. All right. Three more. Three more. Ready? All right. Pocket Jolly Old St. Nicholas. Yep, David got it. Jolly Old St. Nicholas. Oh. You know, but it's crazy because these tunes start and we all know them. And then we're like, which one is it? I know it. <laughs> I, you have to like, without the words, it's hard. Well, I really appreciate the Pachelbel chord progression yeah, and that yeah, rendition yeah. of Jolly Old St. Nicholas. It's Because cl- that's, that's one thing. I mean, you know, I am a sucker for Christmas medleys. And I love it when arrangers take Christmas pieces and kind of overlay them on top of like other tunes. I, I, mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Really fast aside. My very first public performance on the flute was in my elementary school. Somebody made an arrangement of Paco Bell Cannon with an interlude of Jolly Old St. Nick for the Christmas uh, show, like pageant kind of a thing. And I got to play. That was my very first public performance on the flute. It all comes comes full circle. It all comes full circle. (laughs) Now you're listening to an identical arrangement in Beethoven Walks Into a Bar. (laughs) All right, two more. A little tricky. Uh, Blue Christmas. Well done, Jason. <laughs> yes, it took a. It's very slow version of Blue Christmas. All right, Fabrice, I'm holding out for you, man. I know, I know, I'm, Wait, I'm slow. Does, does he have any points? Nope, he, zero. He does not have any points. Maybe we should all lay out on this last <laughs> one and even have to take six no, minutes. No, I might not know it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, ready? This is the last one. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Rudy, Reindeer. Yeah. I'm so competitive. Give that point to Fabrice. I, I forgot. No, I, I forgot. don't need your pity point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, in first place, very clear, David, you you've held your your ground in your knowledge of Christmas tunes with six points. Jason in second place with four points. 
Mike representing all of the Jewish community with one point. <laughs> and Fabrice. And me. This is why Fabrice is the video editor. No, just <laughs> <laughs> Well, Dave and Fabrice, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you really for everything you're doing to continue to bring music to Kansas City, to our listeners. It's uh, just fantastic. Everyone should be sure to catch all 25 of the musical Advent performances by visiting kcsymphony.org or find them on Facebook. Uh, just search for Musicians of Kansas City. Thank you so much to you both. Have a wonderful, wonderful holiday season. And uh, I I can't wait to see what you've got cooked up for Easter. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, go to our Facebook page or our YouTube channel. Um, click and subscribe to Musicians of the Kansas City Symphony. You can see all the videos we posted there, as well as the ones we posted earlier, you know, this year. Um, we appreciate uh, your continued support through this pandemic these trying times and just wish that everyone has a happy holiday and we'll definitely make sure to include links to those pages and um, these videos in the show notes as well so you can check those out where you find your podcast well guys i have some good news and some bad news the bad news is that next week's episode is the final episode of season two of beethoven walks into a bar the good news is that means that 2020 is almost over and what a year it has been. We will be back, of course, in January of 2021 with season three. Uh, but before we get to that, we, we realize that 2020 has been quite the challenge. We've had a lot of great moments as well, though. Uh, so in next week's season finale, we're going to revisit some of our favorite moments from Beethoven Walks Into a Bar in 2020, including our favorite podcast guests to new pets in our families and much more. Join us next week on Beethoven Walks Into a Bar. <laughs>